I, I feel like to an extent, it's probably like the athlete bias, right? It's like, you have to, you know, really believe in yourself before anyone else does. Like no one else will anyway. How can I sit there in front of Gordon Ramsay, one of the most high achieving people in the world and say like, you're missing out if you don't invest in me and like mean it, right? And it's, it's not just like the confidence to say it, it's like the conviction to believe it. Like I fully believe if he didn't invest in me, he would have missed out on an opportunity and I said that. So obviously you've been on TV, BBC Primetime, mm -hmm. yeah? Since coming off the show, Future Food Stars with Gordon Ramsay, mm -hmm. what has life been like? Has anyone stopped you in the street for some photography? Photography is a good way of putting it, but yeah, yes. <laughs> I've been stopped a couple of times and I think yeah. it's just a bit like, a bit crazy, right? Coming off the show, going on to it, um, I had my own like worries and complexes about going on and not wanting to come across in a certain way and stuff. But mm -hmm. to get, you know, to come off the show with essentially the best result I could have got, uh, and you know, have people stop me and stuff. It's not, I'm not saying it's every given second of the day. Yeah. Would I like that? Probably not, but I think, you know, it's, it's just always humbling. I yeah. haven't really had a bad experience. I think people have like stopped and really enjoyed the show or, oh man, I really loved your story and stuff. So I think it kind of just emphasized the, the importance of self story and like mm -hmm. what I put out there was actually pretty well accepted, I guess. Or yeah. I don't think anyone's gonna stop me with like anything negative, but yeah, it, it's been cool. So you mentioned your story, right? And mm. um, one of the compliments that Gordon paid you was saying that you're very driven, you're very determined. Mm -hmm. Why are you so driven and determined? It's a good question. I think like it's a bit of nature and nurture. I think uh, I kind of been forced to be that, like, be that way just through my environment, the things that I've, I've kind of gone through. But I think on top of that is just, I've always, anyone who kind of knows me just knows me to be the sort of person who's like, go get her, get what I need. You know, and I just put my eggs in, in, in one basket always. I always have, I just bet, bet on myself. And I think like, what am I to lose? Mm. I think, you know, prior to us starting this, we had a little conversation about um, just what is there to lose in that situation? What can I do if I, you know, what's the worst that can really happen if I just put myself out there? And I guess like, you know, there's been a few like chuckles and laughs if I do something stupid or I, I might not come across the best way, but I haven't really gotten anything, like any bad experience from just always applying. So mm. I think from Gordon's standpoint, you know, we both have a similar like background when it comes to like working class environment, single parent household, um, you know, ex-athlete, wanting to go down the route of sport, having that sort of taken from us or having, an, you know, a bad injury and then both transitioning into our like preferred career paths. Mm -hmm. And I think there are a lot of like, let's say transferable skills. And I think like having, having them key things and like using them, the only thing you're lacking after that is really just mindset, like just application. So I think, yeah, it's the same across, across all them little avenues. You have to have that mindset prior to having the skill set, and that's the sort of thing that carries it through. Yeah, because when Gordon said that he was a professional football player at Rangers, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, so you played rugby. Mm. So talk me through about your rugby career then. Yeah, so I probably really started taking rugby serious when I was about 13. So late on when it comes to like wanting to be a professional athlete. Um, Before you even go mm -hmm. there, because you're from North London. Like Canada, yeah, Northwest, yeah, yeah. yeah. I never played rugby at all. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you didn't. So, yeah. so, so how did you get into it? Yeah, yeah I mean, you're the, you should be playing rugby. Thank you, thank yeah, you, yeah, you. but in Camden, it's not rugby, it's not a rugby area, nah, right? It's rugby, you're looking at, um, and obviously, just to be completely transparent, the demographic for Camden, very working class. Rugby's not really a working class sport. No. I think if it was, we'd have probably look like, I mean, the standard of rugby is so much higher because if you see everyone just plays football where we're from. So, yeah. um, but no, I got into it at school. I was really keen, the teacher put me on it at school. You know, my little friendship group, we were super keen on rugby. Um, you know, even like the impact of that teacher, what he had on me, like he, you know, met all of us outside of school to make sure we went to that rugby club. Oh, wow. And it was just like something to channel, I guess, you know, we're young, we just want, you know, we're active, maybe a bit angry and stuff and just wanted to do stuff. So I really started taking rugby seriously at like 13, 14. Mm -hmm. um, you know, came to the time of sixth form, chose my sixth form, which ended up being a rugby college in uh, Blackheath in South London. Yep. Um, made the commute there, there and back every day, hour and a half there, hour and a half back. And it was just, I was so serious about it. I mean, like my mum got up with me, say I'd, I'd have to be there, like say, take, give or take like seven, eight o'clock, be up at five, pre-prep meals. I was just so keen on it, right? Wow. And it was my dream, it was my goal. Like I wanted to be a rugby player. I think my actual dying need to be a rugby player came from, I just wanted to purchase my mum a house. That was like, that's, my, that's been my goal, regardless of transitioning into entrepreneurship or sport. 
that was always what I wanted to do was to be a breadwinner for my house. Yeah. Um, I thought that was going to be through rugby. I think financially, when you even just weigh it up in hindsight now, rugby's not a great paying sport because there's a lot of injuries and so on. But um, yeah, I really just, that's all I wanted to do. I loved mm. it. I loved doing it. Um, played for the academy from 15 to like 17 or so on. Started playing for the seniors. Had um, a really funny like injury. I hyperextended my knee, bones hit on and... During a game? No, training. Oof. Yeah, my studs got caught uh, in, in the Astro. We used to play on like 4G AstroTurf and I had, you know, good footwork. So I'm trying to like beat someone. <laughs> As I've put my foot in, I've taken a little knock on the knee and I've just felt it. But I carried on, like I carried on till like 21, 22. And it was just getting worse and worse. Every week um, I saw a lot of specialists. To cut a long story short, they ended up just saying I've got osteoarthritis, bone well, marrow edema, yeah, fissuring of my articular meniscus I think they called it and then yeah just chronic pain sleep issues um god like what what else comes of that sort of thing like all from that one injury all from that one injury yeah and I think you know one of the funny things is like you go whether you're everyone has that friend who's like yeah I would have been pro and my yeah. knee and it's like no that's my knee really ruined uh, not just my my physical like my, my physicality it ruined how I felt like I, I wasn't sleeping I wasn't in a good mood because obviously I know I'm on my way out of this vertical and then going on from there it's like now what do I do you know mm. I've put all my eggs in one basket I stopped you know I didn't go to uh, a sixth form to do A levels I did a B tech in sport like there was even when we were that age it was like oh you do a B tech yeah so it was all of them things there you know I took myself to uni for no reason solely mm. just to prove a point to be like yeah don't worry mum I'll do something else and it was like in reality, I had no intention of finishing uni. I, I think I signed up knowing I was never going to finish it. But um, it's what came from that, which was almost like sliding doors, you know. Mm. The, the birth of my business, Drops of Hill, essentially was, you know, the catalyst of that was my pain throughout rugby. Yeah. And, you know, losing that sort of vertical to gain this other one. And, you know, my own issues and ailments and how I the things that I look to help solve them, like natural remedies and so on, is how I fell down the CBD route and mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. But I was always gonna do something on my own. Yeah. I was always gonna, in terms of my own, something that I own. Um, but yeah, it was just like, it was a really weird few years, like trying to navigate that. Because mm -hmm. it because you were playing whilst you were at uni or was that after the injury? Uh, no, so I had just kind of come out of playing from uni. I was mm -hmm. having a stint at other clubs and other <clears throat> clubs and stuff, but uh, uni was was like, I know I'm on my way out. Like, yeah. I know I'm stopping playing. I was seeing, um, going down to like musculoskeletal spe uh, specialists at the time to just get like a different opinion. I had like three different opinions. I was on a waiting list for stem cell treatment, which is one of the things I was most excited about because I was just prolonging this dying yeah. career uh, for stem cell treatment, thinking, yeah, this is going to get me back on. I'm going to be able to gain the weight again and I'll be good to train and play and so on. But really, little did I know, I've waited for two years for this treatment, gone in for the treatment, which is gonna be a surgery, right? Um, and I've woken up from the surgery and they've just been like, okay, we've essentially, we've just shaved down the bone. We couldn't actually do the stem cell treatment. So you're essentially no meniscus in your knee now. And yeah, yeah, honestly, I woke up from it and I was just in tears. Like I wow. couldn't, I was, it just broke me. I think, I think the dragging out of the whole situation was, it was more just not having a goal, like nothing yeah. to work towards was, was really what was kind of killing me slowly rather than the actual pain. Mm -hmm. Like I could deal with the pain. It was, it, was the, it was the lack of a goal and lack of wanting, to some, wanting something, you know? Like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm determined and I really know what I want. Not having that was the thing that was killing me more than anything. So how did you pick up yourself from that? Like, cause obviously you didn't focus on the graduation piece. You're now injured. Mm. Like, what were you doing? Like, how were you making money? What's going on? Yeah. So, um, my first step, of course, was get get a job, right? I mean, just modern day of age, you need to pay bills, right? So yeah. it was just like I I thought, let me really go back to the drawing board, think clever again, and and just dedicate. So I came up with this sort of theory that if I expose myself to or just put myself around the right people of somewhat influence, or let's be real, people who had money. I'm going to be able to pick up an opportunity somewhere there. They're going to see the fire and the flame in me anyway, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I thought, oh, my God, I'm good at sport. Cool, I've got that. Um, and then I started to pick an area in London, like where can I actually 
work that's gonna I'm gonna be around people of influence so I looked at the banking sector looked at monument bank someone places like that and I got a job in um, a runner's need so just a running shop doing gate analysis mm -hmm. rich people like to run that was my <laughs> that was my my mindset right yeah. you know rich people want to be uh, fit and so on and I thought okay that's my place to network I get in there I do my job to the best I can but really just always thinking okay what's next mm -hmm. and not so much in a sort of like uh, taking people as opportunities but just being an opportunist in yeah. general right like you put yourself in a position to win you're most likely going to win right if you're just sitting still and okay i'm going to take this job and make something it's almost like you have to somewhat be like realistic and a visionary at the same time and yeah. that was my my whole thing was okay i don't have the next step now but i know if i get around certain people and they see that i've got that fire and that flame regardless if it's for sport or for business or for anything like i'm going to apply mm. and i did that I'm going to pause you there because yeah, yeah. I'm quite interested that you decided to do that whereas you were already surrounded by like rugby players, rugby professionals. Mm. So surely you could have become a coach or worked more closely in that industry rather than trying to start from scratch, right? Yeah, I mean, I had that quite a lot. A lot of people say, why don't you get into coaching? Yeah. And it just didn't tickle my fancy. Like I thought... Uh, probably from an ego standpoint too you know it was a I think like part of the whole not playing rugby anymore was a big ego death mm. and, and like the ability to not carry on doing something it was something I'd, I'd attached like somewhat of my identity towards was like playing so if I was just like coaching or it was something I don't think I could have done or taken serious or in my in my situation I was young you know like yeah. the idea of just becoming a coach now and being at the top level you know it just didn't suit my fancy but again it's like I understood there's no money in that and just to be, just to be frank, that's where my mind went. It was mm. like, I don't, can I, again, end goal, like, can I buy my mum a house of this? And again, could I buy my mum a house of the rugby at the time? Of course not. But my point was like, was there a, a sort of ABC to it? And could I eventually? And every step that I was taking was somewhat, you know, devout to like my end goal of, of wanting to, you know, provide and, and have achieved them goals and so on. But mm -hmm. having the, you know, the, just the journey or the avenue to just go and coach and so on just wasn't for me. Yeah. So I knew if I put myself around people who are either banking or in entrepreneurship or something along those lines, mm -hmm. I'll pick up, you know, with, you know, just steel sharpening steel and so on. And I, I thought that was my, that was my best go-to. Awesome. So then you're in runner's knee. So what was the experience like then? Oh, I, just, I didn't <laughs> enjoy that. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't enjoy it. I mean, yeah. I met some great people doing it and uh, people who are friends to this day and both people I worked with and customers, I think... I had, uh, not to skip too, much, too, too many steps, but when we, we uh, showed the final at a little event, mm -hmm. I mean, three of the people that were there were people I'd met networking at the store, yeah. Wow. So, you know, one of my good friends, uh, Zen, who has a recruitment company, for example, my first interaction, I had met him and I was networking and talking and telling him about my plans and what I used to do, mm -hmm. invited me around to his house for coffee. So, and that was already, okay, I'm understanding like, how how he speaks how he moves what you know what sort of things he does and just like in general just immersing myself in that mm -hmm. that was like super beneficial for me and it's not just for example him it was all the all everyone just seeing what other people do and and um showing some of my expertise and it was almost like a transaction right yeah as much as i'm doing my job and working and so on it's you know I also had a knack for it, like just selling in general. Mm. And I'm, I'm understanding that, okay, I might not be the best at selling this, this shoe. I don't know the most about this shoe, but I've almost sold myself yeah. in, in the least cynical way. Like I've almost sold, sold, you know, that person's bought from me before they've bought the shoe. Facts. And, and it's like them little things. They're all just like little deposits into my own mindset of like what I need to do. Plus there's something like, there's a wisdom to not just being broke, but like actually having a, that constant like learning journey of like, I need to get better. I need to apply. I need to be there and turn up. Even when I'm not feeling it, you know, just having an honest living. It's just mm. like, it's something I could pride myself in and be like, okay, cool. I'm not where I want to be right now, but I'm working, I'm getting there and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Cause when you were doing it, was like the aim of the networking to get a better job, to find a partnership or just to see what happens essentially. If I'm honest, I wish I knew, like I didn't actually have, I didn't think that far. Mm. I just knew that, um, being an opportunist and being around the right people and they see that sort of vehicle of like fire and, and just want to get better. I mean, in right now, as I walk around, like I really admire people like that because I, not that I see myself in them, but like 
the real thing that everyone mentions to me about the show is when Gordon said that he saw himself yeah. in me, yeah. right? And it's like, it's a bit arrogant to, for me to bring it up. But I mean, the main thing is, is like seeing that in others, it's if you are of someone who does employ, right? If you're an owner, co-founder, you work in a C-suite and you walk in somewhere, right? And someone's just changed your whole day with their approach, their fire for life. It sticks with you, right? Thanks. And if you're of someone of influence or you have buying power or employability power, it's like, you're gonna see, you're gonna want that. You mm -hmm. want that part of your organization. So I don't know if I was looking for a better job opportunity or if I was looking for someone, someone's number in the phone book or someone to help me in a partnership or even for example, whilst I'm conceptualizing drops of fill at the same time, do I want them in as an event? I, honestly, I didn't, my mind wasn't there yet. Yeah. So again, I'm just like jumping the deep end and whatever happens, like I'll just make it work. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's like, um, like you said, just throw yourself in there, see what happens. Mm. And I feel, what it, what's that saying? Um, you only miss the shots that you don't take. Absolutely. And if you, and then even luck as well, luck, luck is only if you're ready. Mm. And you've got to be ready and be in the right position to take on certain opportunities yeah. because people don't know what work you might have done in mm. order to land you in that place. And even though the steps that got you into that shop might have been steps that you probably wouldn't have had desired, but you still done it with a face of service. Like you still gave it your all. And I think yeah. that's one of the hard things in life, you know, when you feel that you've taken, no, when you feel that you're not at the right place that you want to be, mm. how do you still remain humble still ready to serve, even though you might think that this isn't what you're meant to be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think like you're, you, you can react in so many different ra ways to that. It's, um, it's, it's so cliched, but it's like how you act when everything's going wrong. Yeah. And I think that's, it served me so many like positives down the line. And I just didn't know it then yet, right? Mm -hmm. It's like sort of if you zoom out from that certain window of your life and it's like, oh, then that three years or two years I worked there was, no, but it's like what I've taken from that, right? And it's, little do you know it, working that, you know, not so good sales job, you're, you're picking up something. Mm -hmm. And in my time there, I'm, almost one of the skills I'm gaining is like, I'm there, how am I getting people who are just walking in off the street to build a rapport with me? Yeah. If I'm just talking about like one thing that I got from that, that's almost like one of the biggest things that I used on the show. Mm. Like everyone now says, oh, like how you are with people and your confidence. I feel like I could just walk up to anyone and just talk. Yeah. Whether I was pitching something, how's your day? And I think that before anything, like just the basic skills of personability and just talking to people, that's probably the biggest thing I picked up from it. But like you said, it was just also spiritually, like how do I actually feel when I don't feel good? Like mm. how am I getting on with the task and how am I actually applying to the same five-year goal like yeah. all right I'm, I'm not where i am right now and i'm probably well behind where i need to be because i felt like i took 10 steps forward and like 20 back yeah rather than two and so on mm. but yeah it was just a journey so i'm gonna on that point right what are some of your tips or techniques to build rapport quickly build rapport quickly mm. um i think first one is impression like in terms of just visually right how are you if you're standing there like super closed off it's pretty easy to tell you know arms crossed and so on i think like as cheesy as it sounds someone that's just i think you have to be somewhat approachable in your look in terms of smiling and and happiness but i think as bad as it sounds not too much not too overly like exerted because people can see if that's organic or not yeah. so i think that's number one it's like visually secondly is confidence as like i don't I don't think it matters what you say, but I feel like if you're up there, how are you going? My name's Andy, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's something like maybe somewhat they're on the back foot, but I think people just appreciate someone who's willing to break the ice. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think, I'd say they'd be like the two most important ones. You're always going to say something stupid, <laughs> right? It's like, it's, I, I almost think that's part of my spiel is like, if I, if I say something a bit dumb or funny, yeah. people, they feel comfortable. Just because I really made myself, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Lean into weird behavior. That's one of my things. Like <laughs> if you're just, if you are that guy, everyone knows you're that character. You're good, right? Yeah. If I've seen you have nothing but a hat on for your whole life, I'm, I'm going to be weirded out when I see you take off your hat. So if you just always have that and it's always part of you, mm -hmm. I feel like you really have to practice that, like just being uncomfortable amongst people. Yeah. Not just, you know, people say uncomfortable in uncomfortable positions and getting used to that. It's, people is really what makes it hard, right? Yeah. Right. So a lot of people, I didn't really know it was a skill, you know, I just, it just became natural. They do say that like, um, the things that you don't notice as skills are skills. And like for you, it might be so easy. Just so if you are able to go and speak to someone, mm. like in your mind, it doesn't matter. It's like when you're trying to chat up a girl for the first time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You've got all the reasons why she's going to just ignore you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. then you say, do you know what? 
forget it. Let me just go chat to her. Whereas some people will give them like all the if, buts, so yeah. and so's, the why's, and then you end up in a whole other scenario. 20 minutes has passed and no one's standing there anymore. Oh, yeah, and then when you do go up, it's like a business pitch. <laughs> literally, exactly. Literally. And it, so. and that's what you said about the weirdness, like um, embrace your weirdness. Like, yeah. And I think especially in areas where you may not necessarily fit the mold of who's mm. there, embrace your weirdness and show that you're unique. Because when you're unique, then people have started to talk to you about. Absolutely. You know, I remember when, like when I started working and we used to have all these networking events. I hated them because I felt like anytime the senior people came in, people were just talking about work. This is after work drinks. I don't want to talk about work, right? <laughs> so for me, my angle was like, oh, let me talk about holidays. I probably didn't look serious to other people. <laughs> I just wanted to have an interesting conversation, yeah, 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 yeah. do you know what I mean? Not just Naturally. around standing and talking about the results. Oh, man, let's, let's, I want to know who you are behind like the mm. suit, behind the, the Excel spreadsheet. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so you said you were like conceptualizing the idea for Drops of Hill. So Drops of Hill, CBD, olive oil. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned that when you were injured, you were searching for like different natural remedies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So was CBD the first thing that you came upon? No, no, no. Yeah. I'll just be honest. Like I tried everything. Yeah. Uh, I tried like hydrotherapy, cryotherapy mm-hmm. then I started you know ingesting and you know I, I looked at all different types of like nootropics adaptogenic things yeah. and CBD was the thing I found my own relief from mm-hmm. and I just I felt like it was the best thing for me I was always sort of like against going the sort of like chemical route of yeah. um I mean even after my surgery I had a lot of codeine and it really ruined me I didn't enjoy that and what do you mean uh I just had it after the surgery and it just felt like my body was vibrating seriously yeah and I think like Coming from that uh, background of being an athlete, I feel like I really was aware of my body, mm-hmm. maybe a bit too much, so mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, this isn't working well with me. So I felt like I was the perfect guinea pig to start a CBD company. Got it. On both ends, consumer-wise and, 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 and in terms of like actually founding one. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, my co-founder, she had her own experiences and why she started CBD. Um, and she almost put me onto it. She was like, oh, you should really try CBD, like go for it. It's, you know, you can just drop it under your tongue and so on. And Almost my journey with CBD is why I started my CBD company. So mm. like I was taking CBD, it tasted horrible. It wasn't something I was like enjoying spending 40, 50 pounds on. Um, but was it giving me something that I needed? Yeah, so I was, I was kind of making do. Mm-hmm. But I, obviously over time I'm understanding that not everyone's like that, not everyone's enjoying the market and, and the actual like positioning of CBD within stores at the time, it's mainly only in chemists and yeah. it's like this dark green oil um, so confusing. You don't yeah. know what the MGs are, how much you have to take, what's this, yeah. And understandably, yeah. like I think like yeah. as CBD, uh, the owner of CBD companies, like we understand the confusion for consumers because yeah. yeah. one time we were consumers. So looking at it from a um, that standpoint, you know, mm-hmm. I was I was none the wiser. I was just drop and yeah. if it happened, it happened. Sometimes I felt it more, sometimes I didn't. So it was like, how do I sort of answer the questions of what was wrong with CBD or what were the things that I was experienced with in that, that market that I didn't enjoy? And how mm. do I put that into something? Mm. Like my mum's my Irish, right? My dad's Syrian. So from both very traditional backgrounds, right? And their idea of CBD immediately is like, <laughs> oh, what is this? The devil's the thing that you're taking. <laughs> and it's like, even with that, right? It's how, there's, there's, that's an untapped market there, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of people who have this taboo idea of what CBD is. So... People think CBD, they think weed straight away. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's an easy relation between what they're, they're... Because often, even the people who are reporting on it and journalists and so on, a lot of them don't even know what they're do- talking yeah. about either. So yeah. we're fighting like an uphill battle in, in general. Mm-hmm. So, you know, something like CBD olive oil, I basi- basically bath in olive oil. Like, it's mm. as good as that. You know what I mean? I just drizzle it on everything. So it was, it was pretty easy from there. We started off with five products, mm-hmm. uh, just to test the market. Again, yeah, me, I products? had... No idea what I was doing. What were the five products? Uh, we had a honey. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, honey was honey was good. Okay. Yeah. Honey. Uh, we did an olive oil, did a drops, and then two topicals. Topical. Oh, creams. Yeah, right? creams. Yeah. yeah. So, again, going back to the point of like not having a clue of what I was doing mm-hmm. because I had just launched this. I mean, it kind of speaks to. I don't want people to search up the branding, but it was the same thing. Like, we made so many mistakes. Yeah. And it's rather than knowing what went well, it was like knowing what what failed mm-hmm. kind of like brought us down this route. So were you doing that whilst you were still working at Redis Need? Yeah, at first. At first, yeah. Like, how would you, so you're just funding it straight from your own pocket? Absolutely. I did yeah. so many, like, I was really just like, 
as good as it sounds like I was buying <laughs> I was buying um, stuff off my discount like a lot of the employees that was working at that time like they know about what I, I used to <laughs> I bought this tent like a massive TP tent it was yeah. a great I wish I never let, let go of it but yeah. like a 12 person tent I got it for like 200 off my discount sold it oh, tax yeah. <laughs> As soon as you said this guy, I knew exactly what you did. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I did all right. And, and in terms of like everything I was doing was just, it's all self-funded, like yeah. from both myself and my co-founder. But um, from my standpoint, it was always just like wheeler dealer. What can I, what can I do and flip, <laughs> right? And it was, I was really on that sort of like Gary V sort of esque of just like eBay, get everything, flip it. Yeah. And, and just put it back in and. Was he like your inspiration, people that you were looking at at the moment? No, it just, it just came to head when I was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't really, um, I think like at times people fall, fall into like a bit of like, I don't want to say culty, but it's like, mm. oh, that's, that's my icon and my hit. It was more just like take what I thought was good from everyone. And keep it moving. Yeah, and just, and have no dissonance thought, like really just be open-minded to everything. Because mm-hmm. I'm on this new journey, like I really don't know what I'm doing. Um, and there's something sexy about that, like really having no idea and I'm just like engulfing everything. Like yeah. coming here alone, like this is an experience for me. So just constantly honing and, and mm-hmm. taking in what, mm-hmm. I can, what I can, yeah. So what made you decide to go full-time with the business? Like how did that decision come about? Yeah, going full-time was probably, that was probably like one of the harder parts of the, the journey because I was somewhat sacrificing a bit of security for, um, you know, just jumping off the cliff essentially. and. Mm-hmm. There was no like trigger. There was no, oh, I've, I've reached my target of what I need to make to time me over for nine months. And the, it was like, just go. Really, yeah. But what, what, what we explain that feeling? Because was it something that was building over like three months, mm. six months, or was it like overnight you said, no, I'm, I'm out? Yeah, it's, it, it, was, it was a slow burner at first because, you know, even prior to launching the actual business, it was, all right, I, I need to take this time to conceptualize and do all of this. But again, just to remind you, I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm like, all right, when I find out this is the actual route I got to do, I got to learn about it whilst mm-hmm. I'm doing it, which is probably the best way to do it. But I'm doing all these things and I'm still trying to maintain a job. Yeah. And I'm realizing like, okay, sometimes I'm in my job and I'm getting told off because I'm quickly trying to text my graphic designer who's working on something, who, I've, who I'm paying from my like nine, 10 pound an hour wage. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, by the way, someone's come in who's really interested in this. Andy, this might be a good person for you to talk to. And I'm like two, I'm balancing everything, mm. right? And, and at the time I just understood that um, I didn't really have the worries of, okay, I've got so much to pay for and I've got all of this worries at home. You know, I still got, uh, you know, I can just go back to the flat at home and I've got that security somewhat and the rest I just make do. And yeah. I think that's, that was the wisdom was like, there's no way I'm gonna make catastrophic gains or in terms of with my business and be doing the same old thing right mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. to like actually make a move and again there was no metric that I hit there was no sort of eureka moment it was just like I know that I'm one foot in one foot out it's yeah I just need to jump because I wasn't in a position where this job is going to give me a s- substantial amount of capital that's going to tie me over for this much time mm. and I know I'm going to be listed in these stores but no you know it's just literally just go why do you think about getting investment at the time probably knack of lack of knowledge mm-hmm. um i don't think plus getting investment back then i would have had nothing left you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think for what we had going on at the moment you know I'd, I'd even go as far to say that we were probably just like very naive i think naivety is a huge part of it yeah and i think i'm i'm almost blessed to be that naive mm-hmm. because i think anything i do now I, I almost feel like i'm capable of it immediately regardless if i've got any track record of being capable of it it's that naivety that both I, self-confidence and naivety, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm confident enough to put myself in that situation. I'm naive enough to feel like I'm just gonna smash it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think going back to your point on like, why and how did I just go? Cause you know, the day of launch and you're making a few sales, I'm already picking the color of my Ferrari. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, and then things, you know, you get put down to ground level again and then mm-hmm. you might have a good day. And then it's, it's all these things that I'm like, I would say, if you probably listed out, and I'm sure to yourself, if you listed out all the challenges you're going to face in anything you do, I guarantee you'd say no to a lot more things. Yeah, for sure. And it's like that naivety is somewhat of a blessing because it's like, it's, I thought like, oh yeah, I'm no doubt one year, mm. you know, four years later, I'm, I'm still in my infancy yeah, yeah. of understanding and business. Yeah. So I don't think, 
I think part of it is I don't think I'll ever be complacent, content with where I am. But mm-hmm. yeah, in terms of like why we didn't accept investment, I just think we didn't have a clue what we were doing. Mm. I, don't, I was just interested because considering the fact that you're in bank and the people that you're networking with, it's they're like a channel for yeah. customers, but also a channel for investors. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that maybe you'd tap someone up to say, oh, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, talking of customers, like, do you remember how you got your first customers? Was it straight online advertising or no? It was it was solely friends and family at first. Yeah, we, um, you know, we launched. Funny enough, the day of lockdown. <laughs> so I mean, if you're talking about probably a worse time to launch is the day of. Yeah. I think you, we saw a lot of like beautiful stories of businesses flourishing in lockdown, and you know, depending on what they were geared to. They probably did very well, some mm-hmm. of them. But in our case, it was just like, if there's a, you had two ways of thinking about it, right? It's like, I've just launched a business in lockdown. Or my preferred way of thinking was, if we can survive lockdown, you can survive anything, survive anything mm. right? And I'm not saying it's paying dividends now, but it's almost like how I like to think. I was like, we survived that. Like, we got through that. We weren't flourishing. We weren't. You know, it's almost like them times were the sort of like learning times for us. Yeah. So yeah, the first customer or first customers were friends and family at mm-hmm. first. Oh, my sweet Andy, you've got a <laughs> CBD brand, you know, and then like word of mouth and so on. Um, that was like the big thing. Then I started learning about email marketing mm-hmm. and getting people in your funnel and keeping people part of the community and so on. Um, and now it's paying us dividends, like having such a strong community of people that, and it's only grown since the show, but that's, you know, our little customer base is who we can always rely on. And, you know, we kind of like to bounce ideas back off them and so on. And it's, that's, that was where it started and where we just, we want to nurture forever, regardless of where we're listing, because a lot of them people send us emails about, oh, like, I remember, I remember when the journey first started, you know, and I had some DMs of friends and family who's, we had a market um, in Brick Lane from very early, right? When lockdown was on and off and on mm-hmm, and off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always like a stepping stone, you know, we sold friends and family customer first. Then we got onto a, a little like stool in the Brick Lane market. And then finally we got a little shop in Box Park. And then it was like mm-hmm. from little height to height. And I think similar to um, the idea of how we actually funded it, which was like little flip, take that money, move it. It was, it, it was the same sort of thing. Got it, got it. I like the idea of you were like testing different channels yeah. as well. Um, and what you said about customers, like, their emails that you get sometimes, especially oh. when you're in your lowest points, oh, and then you're just like, oh, my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember we got an email, um, this maybe like a year ago, of a woman who went to Selfridges um, and her daughter was suffering with, like mad period pains, mm. and they found our box, tried it, and then um, she sent like the most beautiful email after that. And it's like, this is what I'm doing it for, you know, this yeah. is why. Um, and I think, yeah, starting a business during that period and being able to test yourself like, and continue to grow mm. is a key thing. One of the challenges that I remember I had actually was advertising. So, mm-hmm. so selling or advertising a natural-based product, literally within three weeks, we got like an email from the ASA and I was like, how did they even find us? We're so small. Um, about like claims mm. and things you can and can't say. So we had to play it a little bit safe. How have you navigated like that element, especially with a CBD brand, because I'm not too sure what it's like advertising products in that area. Yeah, uh, I think that's, it's very hard to to sort of teeter that line because you're, you, of course you want to tell the customer exactly what this product is and what it does. But as it's uh, not a drug, right? It's mm. it's regulated by the FSA. So you're you're unable to make a medical claim on, on what CBD does or what it is and so on. For us, that was always a challenge and I think, probably like yourself, you know, when I started out, that was my biggest issue. Cause for someone who's never been in the CBD industry, mm-hmm. right. They're just like, why don't you do this? And why don't you just put ads on it? And it's like ads in its own thing. There's a science to that. Yeah. So never mind the fact that you're unable to promote a lot of these um, products. But for us, it was one of the biggest things that we felt like helped us was firstly like peer review mm-hmm. uh, recommendations and studies and so on so having like customers essentially say what it, they felt yeah. and being able to post that yeah. that's probably like our biggest um way of actually being able to say what someone gets from it because like you said one of the things that really sticks in your mind in your own journey is having someone who suffered an ailment used your product and like you said that's of course we will have our goals outside of business but mm-hmm. in terms of our actual mission and what we're doing bringing something to the cbd market you want products that 
you know, have efficacy. They they yeah. do their job. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes people are painted with the same brush, whereas mm-hmm. you can you remember that and you will forever remember that. And I think the same for other customers by being able to see what other verified customers have used and how it's helped them. Mm -hmm. That's 100% the joy of the job. Mm -hmm. Um, Other stuff that we've done, you know, again, back to the emails is having that sort of like um, relativity with my, like my customer base and audience. And like I said, the importance of self story, understanding how it helped me, um, without making any medical claims or ben- speaking about the benefits and so on. That's something that a lot of people have been able to relate to because, you know, whether people take it for the physiological benefits of, you know, their mind and so on, which they probably relate to my co-founder a bit more mm-hmm. or myself, my own benefits of like knee pain, sleep pain and so on. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. Awesome. So at what point did you decide to go on TV? <laughs> Deciding to go on TV is a strong way to put it. Um, yeah, we got... You know, we got a DM one day from a caster saying, you know, mm. would you like to apply for this? And we applied. And I think before that, myself, my co-founder, Georgie, we were debating about who's going to go on and and who's the best fit for it and so on. In my mind, I thought I always had it set. I'm never doing TV. I'm never. I think it's a bit of a privileged idea to think I was ever going to be on TV in general. But like, I, yeah, I just, I just thought, yeah, let me just do it, man. Yeah. Let me just go for it. And I did. I did all the, the interview processes. There was about six to seven rounds, whether it's like... Wow, how long did that all take? Give or take, like, a matter of months, I'd say three to four months. Wow, okay. Yeah, it was a quite an in-depth thing, you know, meeting with a different type of producer or so on, explaining your story. Uh, sometimes you'd be self-recording something and, and giving a bit of a something about yourself. We mm-hmm. had, we'd been exhibiting at um, the Food Expo in, in Excel Center mm-hmm. and... I mean, it's something I put so much effort into, so which I was really happy about. And one of the the team at Studio Ramsey had came and, and seen our, oh, nice. our stool. Yeah, so I was obviously there doing the, you know, the spiel to everyone and letting people try it. And they came in, incognito. And during the casting one day, they were like, I spotted them. And I said, oh, you, you know, so <laughs> it's, I, I've put two and two together on how they actually kind of got to us. But yeah, I still applied for it, went forward. Mm-hmm. Everything just went pretty crisp until... One day, okay, you're leaving now, and then I've got to go on the show. <laughs> so when you got that letter, was you like, yes, I made it? It must have felt like quite an accomplishment. They called like. me, yeah. Oh, they called you, yeah. yeah so they called me and, and said, yeah, you're one of the... When they were whittling down the numbers, um, over time, you know, it was getting a bit more and more serious and more mm. and more serious. As you got, you know, our final interview to get onto the show itself was at the studios. Mm. And that was probably, like, the most intense, because that was my first time on camera, like... Yeah. What kind of questions did it ask you? Is that about your business or just yeah, personal? business about myself? Um, why? Why would I? Why? What am I trying to achieve? Like, um, what am I like as a person? Uh, plenty of things. Do you know? Like, it was there was so many. I almost like forget how to decipher the different steps. Yeah. But um, it was just an experience. It was just something like I've ne- never done anything like that before. You know, it's just so surreal, to be honest. And, mm. you know, you almost don't believe it. So you're like, oh, yeah, I, I understand if I don't get on this. Yeah. You're just like, and that's kind of, I think, probably a bit about what they liked. It was just, I was kind of like, no nonsense. Like, let's just do it and mm-hmm. don't worry about me. I'm, I'm never going to be like nervous. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Little did I know I'm on, I'm on the show. So, <laughs> Is it paid as well? <laughs> All right, cool. Say less. <laughs> yeah, no, I was wondering because um, I've done a gig, like, this is years ago. Um for Dove yeah. and I just remember looking at the contracts and they talk about like rights if something goes on TV and like yeah, syndication yeah. all that stuff so just interested but yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so day one of filming the show because is it similar to it's not like The Apprentice where you're all in one house is it it's like you guys are in a hotel um, and you're filming because you film from the beginning to the end and like is it every single day how does it work yeah like give or take you're, you're filming most days of the week mm-hmm. but you're you know, it's one week makes one episode. So like they're cramming that into an, an hour. One week makes one episode? Yeah. So you wouldn't be filming like Monday through to Sunday. Yeah. But you might be filming two of those days in in the weekday. Mm-hmm. One is back at the studio where you're doing like the, the restaurant and the decision making. And then you're probably back on shoot end of the week or so so it's like give or t- it depends on the d- it depends on what like challenge it was some of them you know they required three days filming for one challenge and mm-hmm. so on so but in general the whole episode would most likely span from monday to the end so how was that were you still at home or were you on no, no 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 we we followed we were 
you know, all with, we were all traveling together to mm-hmm. and from location. Um, I've heard about The Apprentice, which is like, you're all under one roof. Yeah. Thankfully, we're not like, you know, it was, the experience was cool, you know, like we, mm-hmm. we were um, traveling together and so on, but it was never like as intense as The Apprentice. The show mm-hmm. is an apprentice-based show, I guess, in terms of like, everyone's a business owner, but it's more geared towards like the food and beverage industry. Got it. And then you still have contact like back at home. They don't take away your phones or anything, do they? No, they... On on set, yeah, you okay. don't you don't have your phones, of course, but like off when like you know you got the day or whatever, yes, mm. you got your phones. So talk to me about that experience because um, obviously with TV, I imagine they might force you to take multiple takes sometimes. Does that take you out of the action and like out of the heat of the moment? You know, to be like to be completely transparent, it's it's unnatural. Like yeah. you are on camera, and and I know it's a TV show, and they want to keep it as real as possible. But like you are, you're thinking about your best intentions and how you have to get through to next week and so on mm-hmm. in my head the whole time i'm week one thinking i need to win this you know what i mean rather than just let me get through to next so week. you are you are there literally the just whole time the whole time i i had interviews with the producers prior and i'm telling them i'm going to win it they're like how, how are you going to do in this competition Andy? and it's i'm not saying it for show like i would have been really gutted of anything but winning it mm. that's just to be real when so, you went in on day one did you know you were gonna win I, yeah did, what if i when i went first day filming yeah you knew absolutely <laughs> I love yeah, that. yeah, no, and and, I, yeah. and it's nothing to do with like other contestants. I've, I res- have so much respect for all of them as well, mm. and I can't disrespect anyone that's got the same dream. Like we're all on the same thing. We've all put ourselves out there, but you're not. You're not. I, I feel like to an extent, it's probably like the athlete bias, right? Mm. It's like you have to, you know, really believe in yourself before anyone else does. Like no mm. one else will anyway. Yeah. How can I sit there in front of Gordon Ramsay, one of the most high achieving people in the world, and say like, yeah, you? you're missing out if you don't invest in me mm. and like mean it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's not just like the confidence to say it. It's like the conviction to believe it. Like mm-hmm. I fully believe if he didn't invest in me, he would have missed out on an opportunity. And I said that. And I've, I, I, remember, I, I remember walking out and like, someone said to me, like, Whoa. but it's like, I mean that. Yeah. And I think I, I really do like believe that at the time it's going to be a weird thing to hear. I don't think in hindsight it will be. You know, mm-hmm. and I think we were speaking about leaning on, leaning in on like weird behavior and tendencies. It's like the idea of us just believing in ourselves is weird, right? Yeah. But sometimes I question like if we were like really well spoken, well dressed, like would it be the same thing? Or if I had the credentials to prove that yeah, I'm a viable candidate, like what are the credentials? This mm-hmm. is like there is no blueprint to what we do. Mm. So it's I almost put much more on the mindset side than the skill set. And I understand they, they have its importance each way, but I feel like being able to sit in front of him and really believe that was a huge commodity of mine on that show. Awesome. What would you say was the most challenging part of the show? Most challenging part of the show? I think, I think the most challenging part of the show was uh, navigating my own expectations. I mean, I didn't meet them. Go on. Because that, like... I remember I'd leave sometimes and I'd go back to the hotel room and I'd just be in my head. Week three, I'm in the grilling, argument with the team. It's my, it's essentially one of my strengths. We didn't do a CBD week, for example, but this was a sports nutrition week. I'm an ex-athlete coming into this. Someone had won the mini challenge, which meant they get to choose whose team they want to be on. They want to be on my team. Mm. And, you know, background of product development, sports, it just, this was, in my head, this was my week to win. Mm-hmm. We lost, I'm in the grilling. And I was the team leader. Like, you You're know, lucky you stayed, you know. I, I really gave myself, like, such a hard time after that. And even though I really believe I deserved to stay, and I don't think I was the catalyst for that going wrong, because I stick by the fact that if we did it, it was the execution, not so much what we didn't do and whatever. I, I kicked myself. Challenges we won right we won a we made sauce one week in newcastle mm-hmm. and i think there's a like something i posted about you know i was really out there selling that's my thing right just getting out there and so on people and um we didn't sell to gorillas we didn't sell a unit to and i remember like he's announced the results and my team has cheered and it's n- no dig to them it's just again myself like i was I was pissed off. Like, I couldn't believe we hadn't sold a unit to Gorillas because in the future, that's where I saw my brand being sold to. So it was like the little things like that, like knowing what I could do and then coming away from it, regardless winning or losing and then being like, 
fuck, I didn't achieve what I know I should have achieved. Mm. That's what really like ate me up inside, like getting through from the semis to the final. And, you know, some people are emotional or like happy. And I'm just in my head, I'm just like, I haven't won yet. So I've got nothing to be happy about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a blessing and a curse, I think. Like, to an extent, it keeps me pushing. And it's like the little bit of fire that I need at times. And I always need to be under that bit of pressure. But I didn't, in, you know, even Gordon told me, like, it's like, you need to count your wins. Mm. Like, yes, push yourself. And I like that. But, and I wasn't doing it for him, but he was just saying to me, like, you have to count your wins. Like, you've done something here. Move with it. Take on the lessons and just adapt. Like, so I struggled to enjoy a lot of it, which I really, I wish I did. Like in hindsight, I wish I enjoyed a lot of the experience because it was one in a lifetime. But because I was just focused on getting the most I can from it, mm-hmm. I somewhat didn't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I hear that. I hear that. So how do you pick yourself up then? Because especially coming from a challenge where you're like on paper should win. Hmm. How do you go into the next week thinking, okay, I can, let's do this again. Like what, what were you trying to tell yourself? Like how do you get it back? I, to be honest, yeah, in a sick way, I thought it was like a good way to be, you know, mm-hmm. like in a way, if I'm, if I'm down and out like the week before and I'm going into something the week after, I just got a bit of a sick feeling from it. Like, yeah, this is like, I need to be somewhere where I feel like I need to take every opportunity I can get. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, forget all of the outside noise. You know, one of the good things about it about being away for nine weeks was like, I didn't, I could be very selfish. Like I could just focus on winning. So yeah, like just from a, a whole standpoint, I just thought like, in a way I've got a sick, I get a sick feeling from that. Like, oh, I'm, you know, just being an underdog in general, just yeah. like in your mind, you yeah. know, it just takes you to a place where you don't, although the fear of failure is already gone because I'm here, like I, why wouldn't I make the most of it? Mm. It just pushes you a bit more. So I think using it as fuel and not as like an obstacle is probably like where I'd go, but, um, yeah, it definitely was hard. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah, because your, your your mind sounds like a difficult place to be at times. Yeah. Because it sounds like you can be very hard on yourself. Yeah. Yeah? No doubt. Do you, do you, do you like that way or do you want to change that, do you think? I think I'm finding a, a healthier balance on how to, like, both be hard on myself and still get what I need from myself. Exactly. But um, How are you doing that? So, like, for example, now... You know, I've spoken about having an injury, but like I've, I'm doing things that I want to do, not just the things I need to do. So sometimes that is, um, like for example, I'm, I'm sports crazy, right? Um, and in my mind, I was never doing an ultra marathon or triathlon because of, um, my knee injury. Yeah. But understanding, like taking that time for myself, you know, taking little bits, even people around me, friends, family, so on, like calm down, slow down take yourself you know someone even messaged me after the show random people I was getting like when do you take time for yourself like do you know what I mean yeah and for people that didn't even know me to say that you know I don't think I don't think you have to spend much time with me to understand I'm quite intense and like anything I want I'm very passionate about and I just feel like from my background for me to achieve the things I want to achieve I have to be like that Mm. and I don't know if it's too athlete based or will I change I'm open to change and if you know if I get a better result from behaving in a certain way then out of course I'm like performance based like that's what I want Mm -hmm. but um I don't care about like perception I really don't like I don't care if people like oh my god he's too intense or like oh he is not intense or he doesn't know what he's talking about like he's just talking rubbish like I prefer I care about my performance like that's really and if I have to be that way to get that do you know what I mean to make the not not blowing smoke on I think but like to kind of go where I was to where I am now in the space of like three, four years, mm-hmm. I have to be like this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, sounds, it does definitely sound like an elite sports mentality kind mm. of vibe where you have to be solely focused on yourself, your own growth, forgetting that, forgetting all the noise. But I just wonder, like similar to that feedback that you got from Gordon, mm. then going forward, like making sure, like it's important to, it's important to just make sure that you can keep your eyes looking at the yeah. scenery as the car's driving or the rocket ship is flying. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, you told me that, you know, before we came onto this mm-hmm. and even just like liaising about when we're going to do this, yeah. you know, one of the things you were saying to me, like really enjoy the journey and like it's part of, it's part of it. And I, I probably will get to a stage at one point where the business is like of a scale where I won't enjoy it as much and the yeah. time I should have enjoyed is gone. But sometimes I do wonder like, not only just for my own goals, but for the people that we're going to be helping with our product. Mm-hmm. Like, is it worth me enjoying this so I can get it there? Or it's, I think it's know? a bit of both, you know, because even like your team, mm. 
mm. and how you interact with your team, mm. that also is like a reflection of you as a person. So yeah. I've had experiences where I'm a nice, bubbly, jubbly person, but I'm stressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like no one talked to me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? No one talked to me. Like I've got something to do. Like I'm yeah. in, I'm head down, I'm on it. But then when I look back at that period of time, like, yes, I'm stressed mm. and yes, my head is down, but it's not a true reflection of who I am. Yeah. And I think the key thing is how do you balance that where you're still determined to get to your goals, but you don't lose the true sense of who you are. You don't mm. lose your charm. You don't use your ability to relate to people. Yeah. And I think whatever leadership traits that you have that you want to pass down onto your team, that's what you have to keep on going because at the end of the day, you want a conducive work environment where Absolutely. everyone is nice to each other. No yeah. one wants to work for a devil boss. Of course. Yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, but like I said, but it's always easier said than done. Like mm. when you are driven, you only see one goal in front of you. And sometimes you have to be determined to say, okay, forget everything else. I'm going to sacrifice everything for that. that. But I don't know, like I go, I go between two things because sometimes I'm like, oh, are we all soft now because we want everything at the same time? Or is that a realisation that life is short? Yeah. And if you don't enjoy your wins, if you don't enjoy the journey, then it's like you can look back and be saying, what, what was all of this for? It's true. I think, yeah. I, I think what you said like, is it's a balance. Isn't it? It's like, you know, like fire cooks your food that burns your house down. It's yeah, like, yeah. That is, we, 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 right? Yeah. <laughs> but we've said about like how... how initially from the beginning regardless of where I've been on my journey mm. like the important thing to me was my fire that's my commodity it's like I'll go out there and I'll get it done that's that's my mindset and it's having enough to get me going on yeah. the days I don't I can't be asked to do this like yeah. I'm sick and tired of criticism or this is that or you know like can I let me not have too much so I'm just I'm not overbearing or I'm not like or burning out mm -hmm. you know just personally that's the key one that's another one like yeah. so yeah I think it's that balance and I'm learning, right? And um, I think whether I was just starting, like founding the business or here now where, you know, I'm in the furthest stage of where I could be at mm -hmm. the moment, you know, I'm, every day is the same thing. Like if, I, if I've just got a willingness to learn, yeah. maybe my approach will be a bit different, yeah. and, but the, the key elements will still be the same thing. Yeah, and looking back, right? Mm. Because from what I understand, <clears throat> you film your episodes, yeah. then it's, um, shown like a year later or how much later do you watch it on TV? Yeah, give or take. So you watch it at the same time as us, right? I watch it at the same time as you, yeah. When you look back at yourself, what's going on, what's going on oh. in your head? Watching it back is way worse than filming it. I'm <laughs> telling you. Like, and I, th I think you'd be the same. It's like, yeah. you're, you're so, oh, I should have done this better. Mm. Uh, again, that goes back to my mindset of like being hard on myself. But even in general, you're just like, even some of the things that came out and you just, oh, I wish I did this differently yeah. or I wish I had done it but yeah it's hard and then that sort of times by the fact that people are able to comment on on it yeah. now is like now you've got this dynamic and the dynamic of okay it's, it's you know i've got a nice spike on my business right now but then this and then this and it's just like mm. sometimes a bit intense because i was gonna ask because i saw that there was an article like written in the daily mail <laughs> about you and your response to one of the other contestants yeah um that plus just people just generally chatting shit. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, Twitter. yeah. How do you manage that like, with your mental? To be honest, yeah, me, I don't. Like, yeah. I just don't pay it no mind. You know, like, mm -hmm. you'd be a liar if you said you didn't search. Like, I did Google my name one time. Like, but I'm not going to say... <laughs> Listen, I hold my hands up. Yeah, my yeah, bad, yeah, you know? Yeah. But I learned from that, you know? Like, you just don't do that. And I think the more energy you give it, the more it's going to take from you. Like... Mm it's it's just words like it's fake and i think both to my approach to business i'm not a horrible guy like i know i'm not you know what i mean anything that was posted or whatever it's yeah. not here nor there i think about what referencing the the article you actually said it was you know the person who was involved they know me mm -hmm. so they know nothing i said was with malice yeah. and i'm not i'm just i'm just honest you know like i was raised in an irish household where there was a lot more swearing than I included on the show. So like, <laughs> you know, and, and that's Gordon's thing too. He's, you know, a lot of people know him as the F word and yeah, the sweary, yeah, yeah. sweary chef. It's like, even to side of him, like what I got from Gordon 
is nothing compared to what the TV got or mm. like what, from what the people know him as. What do you mean? Just in terms of is the man he is and the person, definitely not soft. Like okay. I definitely would call him soft. But I'd say like very respect-based, integral. Um, you know, I had a lot of moments on that show that I'll never forget in my whole life, you know? Mm. From the smallest things, episode one, I'm like, quickly, I'm trying to make a dessert. And if anyone watched the show, they know. All I ever said, I, I'm not chef, I'm not chef. Mm -hmm. Not to run away from the fact, but he seen me like clean this, this um, grill and he's like, Andy, what are you doing? And I'll clean the grill. And it's something as minuscule as cleaning a grill to get the service done quicker. I was, at first I was trying to put foil on it so I can get it done quicker. He's like, no, do this, take this. And it's, it's something so small. Now you'd expect someone like that or what people give him that notion of, oh, he's just gonna swear at you and tell you off. Because what I was doing was arguably quite stupid, mm. but to be like, no, this is the best way to do it. He, if he knew, I, he knew I wanted to learn, right? Yeah. And just what he would give me in return for that was always, he always gave me respect. He never really like, I think he just knew what type of buttons to press in. Like, I'm a very mm. easy person to get motivated, you know? In, in the last episode, we're standing in the stadium and I swear like he's talking about like having a knee injury. And at one time he's sitting in that stadium and now he's standing there thinking, how on earth is he now doing this and not playing football? Yeah. And I kid you not, I thought he was speaking to me. Yeah. And we had a conversation about that. And it's like, you're literally preaching to the choir. Yeah. I'm just earlier in my journey. Like, yeah. So um, I get it so much. What's Gordon like? Mm. Honestly, a gentleman of a man and then just just don't fuck with him, basically. Yeah, he definitely seems like he cares. Yeah, like, he really does. And, and, and in your progress. Yeah. And if you want to learn, he'll teach you. Mm. Like, I asked him so many stupid questions, like, Gordon, I can't spread the pizza. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, understanding, especially for him, and I've always been a believer in this, that everything you do, there's a science and an art to it, mm -hmm. right? There's logistically the way it should be done, and there's the style that you put onto it, right? Mm -hmm. And as far as even just being on the production, seeing the team that they run, and how it runs, and who's at the head of it, and how does he delegate, and what, all of them things, that's all man management and so on, that's, that's what runs that conglomerate. That's what runs that empire, yeah. you know? No, I hear that. And um, I watched the final mm. and the emotions a lot, right? Yeah. I saw you with some tears yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> what was it like inside that room when you got you had your name being announced? Oh, yeah, me crazy. Like, um, as you know, I'm so confident in myself. As I walked out mm. and I saw my family and stuff, I just thought, my first thing went to my imposter, like, oh, I haven't done this. I'm gonna lose this in front of my family. And I never feel like that, but it was because it, I had nine weeks, I had put on like, I'm there, like I'm, I'm dialed in, I'm ready to go, no contact with the family. I, I'm keeping it sort of away because I need to just stay dialed in. Yeah. And like to walk in, because we didn't know they were gonna be there, obviously, as you could see. But um, I just, I walk in, my sister runs straight up to me. Me and my sister are very close, so it's mm. like, I was already taken off guard and I was like fighting the, 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 the tears back, yeah. you know, from then. Yeah. So, and also, you know, understanding that my mum has done so much to get me to the position I am, you know, from young, working several jobs, just, even if she never said to me, sit down, this is how you do it. I'm learning to hustle vicariously just through her, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to know that these people are in the room and this is the make or break right now, you know, it yeah. would have never been break, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to sit here and make us all go in a cab home with them knowing I've lost. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's said I'm a risk and so I'm like, oh, fuck. Everyone's a risk. Yeah, day, everyone man. is a risk. Yeah. Everyone is a risk. Um, and then he said it and I've just, I, honestly, because it was just like nine weeks. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it, just, it was just such a pressure release. Like I felt like I could actually breathe now. Like this is done. I've done what I could do. I've got essentially the best situation out of this. Mm -hmm. And... As, as much as it didn't seem, I felt for the others too, you know? Like yeah, at every step, I, I really did feel, even when I had problems with people and they'd gone home, I had said, I want them to do the best in their business. We have the same dream, they have kids to feed. I have, I don't carry anything personal. This is literally just business. Yeah. But um, yeah, just pure relief. Mm. And so what has life been like since the show's finished? Since getting the money? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know, one of the things is, is like, it's, it's cool. It's mm -hmm. definitely something I try not to, as bad as it sounds, and I really, I am, as we spoke about, I'm really starting to push my content and so on, but um, it's, been, it's been 
hard to not look back. I try not to dwell on it because I'm, I'm now thinking about what's next because I don't want to live on yesterday and be like, I did this, by the way. Like, yeah. No, it, it's really cool to have people come up and be like, oh my God, you won this. And, you know, I met um, a little kid like two weeks ago. He's with his mum and the little kid's obsessed with Gordon Ramsay. Right? Yeah. Absolutely obsessed. And I was like, watched all his shows. So just by third party, just recognized me and was like, oh, can we get a picture? And it's like, it's like stuff like that is crazy, you know? Mm. I walk around in my council estate and to this day and proudly and having, you know, like the kids from our areas that, you know, you might play around with, oh, be good and stuff. It's, that's what I actually have pride in. It's like mm -hmm. them sort of things that like where I can say to them like, okay, cool, what do you want to do? You know, you can go and, you can go and get investment. You can go and do these little things that yeah. I've done because I've done it. Like I haven't done it from a super lucky perspective. Yeah, I've been somewhat lucky that I've got on the show, but I've applied myself, right? I really made myself uncomfortable. So um, I think because I put on the, the tough face and yeah, yeah, go do it, apply. It just looks seamless, but it's not like it's a challenge too, spiritually, mentally, physically. I do mm -hmm. have to do these things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's more like what I take pride in is like the actual, what other people get from it is pretty crazy. But in yeah. terms of business-wise, it's definitely opened a lot more doors. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, now coming out with more products now that I'm most likely going to list in, in a lot of stores. So that's, yeah. that's what I get from it. Because are you going to go, like, are you going to go back to say like five products? Like, are you going to go deep in terms of, CBD, olive oil, different flavors, or wide in terms of like olive oil, a different type of like, what's the word, drizzle or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. What, what way are you yeah. trying to look, are you looking at? Yeah, I'm definitely, my, well, to be, without giving away too much, my whole point is <laughs> I want to, I'm trying, I'm, I really want to be in the big stores. That's my, my, my whole plan is mm -hmm. big retail is, is, is where brands succeed or die, right? Yeah. And I think listing with the Tesco's, Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Lidl, Audi, all, all the above, right? That's where I want to be. Pre previously, I had products that I wanted to get into Harrods. And, yeah, yeah. and I love what you do at Herbie Box. I think, you know, your listing in Selfridges is great. And for us, I think that, especially now where we had a lot of comments, both from Gordon and people who watched the show was how expensive the product is. Mm. And naturally with what goes into CBD, it is pretty expensive, but I want to make it more available to a mass market and, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought I had it there. Yeah. 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 But making the product available to the mass market, you know, mm -hmm. we've dropped on the show, we were doing, you know, big glass bottles, yeah. Lux and high end. Expensive, isn't it? Yeah, expensive. Yeah. I'm gonna, Kyle, can you get me the thing? This is going to stay in as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, great, great. Thank you. This is our director for today, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I love the new packaging. Thank you. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, so, you know, from, you might have seen on the show that we were doing big uh, glass bottles now, but yeah. now by being able to put it into a can and, you know, slightly shorten the size, um, make it more appropriate to the daily use. It's like, well, again, back to my own journey, we're always improving as mm -hmm. a brand in general. But, you know, we are targeting a few different things. I mean, now in the UK, not now, but pretty much as long as they've existed, meal deals has been a huge thing, right? Mm -hmm. So. Maybe wanted to get something into that. Interesting. Because talking about that, I yeah. saw um, a competitor. Yeah. Well, a drinks brand. Trip. Yeah, yeah. They've got 88% of the CBD drinks market. Yeah. Is that even legal? Like, that is crazy. I, I think what they do is, it's amazing, right? It's like, oh, so they good. smash it out and, yeah. and they are everywhere. Like, everywhere you go everywhere. now, you find a trip drink, mm -hmm. right? And I know people who have, I know people who don't know much about CBD that know trip. Yes. So, yeah. it's like, they are bigger than, to an extent, than their their product. That's like amazing. in terms of like as a brand, they are a big brand. Mm -hmm. um, I think single use products right now are pretty big. Mm -hmm. I think that's CBD, especially with like just cost per use, along with like a living crisis that we're going yeah. on, uh, cost of living crisis. It's I think they go hand in hand as well. Like disposable income and just being able to purchase an olive oil that might be slightly more expensive than a ter uh, your regular olive oil. So it's you know we've got a really exciting product coming out soon, mm -hmm. which is um, going to be around the same price of a drink. So just trying to get all the things together. We're probably like two months out from that. This so. is if you need any people to test it, just let me know. Absolutely. Like You'll be the first person I come <laughs> to, Yemi. Cool. So I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you. Go. Yeah. So what is one mistake that, you've glad you, that you're glad you made? Oh my God, one mistake that I'm glad I made. All of them. I think, mm -hmm. do you want specificity? Uh, yeah, if you can, if you can give me one. Um, I think, 
I think one of the biggest mistakes, I'm maybe not glad, but is on the show, I, our olive oil was classed as extra virgin. It was mm. made with extra virgin, but it was also that, yeah. infused, right? Mm -hmm. Which immediately makes it non-extra virgin. Mm -hmm. um, it had copy on there that it was. And the reason I was glad that I made that um, issue was, or made that mistake was because how quick I rectified it. And like, you know, they said to us, well, how, how have you made this mistake, Andy? Or Gordon did at least. And what that gave me an opportunity to prove how quick I can rectify it and mm -hmm. how much control I have over my brand and so on. So I think that was probably like one of the things that I'm most proud of. Okay. When you think of successful, who is the person that comes to your mind? Successful? Mm. I'm going to avoid like cliche answers, but I think... I can't avoid the fact that I think my mum is a success. Like to come over here by yourself, you know, have kids with someone, then be by yourself again with two kids, council estate, just hustling, two jobs, three jobs, whatever it took. And then like on the back end of that or the finished article you have like, again, just sibling, like my sister and, and myself, just always like wanting to do better, wanting to do more, giving back. I think that's that's really success. Like we can, can you really hold success? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. yeah, we can talk about all day long, like money and so on. But yeah, my mum. Yeah. I would also like little nice, I think Gordon. Yeah. Right? A lot of trials and tribulations, um, hard home life and quite a hard start in life and then navigating to become the highest achievement in that industry. So it's kind of like, that's who I'd look to. Awesome. One piece of advice that you always give? Fail hard, fail fast. Oof. Yeah. Like one word to describe your journey so far. One word to describe fluctuation. <laughs> <laughs> Good days, bad days. <laughs> I like that. And then um, final question, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at Andy Albaloos. Mm -hmm. or find me somewhere in London hustling you'll find me somewhere mm -hmm. but yeah Andy Albalus is where you'll find me Andy it's been a pleasure yeah, thank me, you so my, much thank you so much my friend thank you thank you for having me bro oh.